I was just thinking about that 1980s directory made with all that 80s hairdo. <laughs> Y'all remember that? <laughs> all, the, all the voluminous hair, you know, whatever. <laughs> anyway, hey, uh, I'm going to read, I think I am, <laughs> several scriptures this, uh, this afternoon from uh, the book of Matthew. So if you want to grab a Bible, and it might help you to follow along because we're going to read some at the top, some at the bottom, and then some in the middle. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. Yeah, that's what it says, Matthew chapter 7. This morning I had a lot of notes because my font was bigger. I only got three pages because my font's smaller. I should have made my font bigger. <laughs> I can't see it. <laughs> I can't see it. Anyway, here, we'll get going. But before we get started, we want to talk a little bit tonight about somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle, if you want to write down a title. Before we get started, let's pray, because we need the Lord to help us, okay? Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to once again come to your house to hear from your word. Bless each and every one that's here. Give us ears to hear, heart to receive, and a mind to comprehend. Have me say what you'd have me to say, that and nothing more. Well, this is in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, how many of you ever taught children in Sunday school? Interesting. If you want to find out what's going on at home, ask for prayer requests. <laughs> mm, yeah, just, you know, just remember what said in Sunday school stays in Sunday school. But the story is told about a Sunday school teacher that was teaching a bunch of beginners, and they, their lesson was in the Old Testament, and, and they were emphasizing at the point that early in Bible history, the people did not know what God's name was. They did not know what God's name was. Read it back in Genesis. They didn't know what God's name was. Well, one little fellow piped up. He said, I know what God's name is. Oh, I know his name. It's Harold. And the teacher said, huh? Where did you get that? He, and, and he said, we say it every Sunday morning. Our Father, which art in heaven, Harold be your name. <laughs> uh, that's kind of cute. Well, it's kind of cute, but, you know, small, small children learning about the Lord sometimes get things wrong. Uh, I remember we were discussing that at, at a, a job I was on one time uh, <clears throat> down here at the garment fair. Well, Joe Ellen's not here. She'd remember the person. But we were talking about this at a, when I worked at the garment factory, how little kids don't understand the words to the songs and the hymns because they can't read the book, you know. And so we were talking about, you know, everybody, the little kid, when I was a little kid, I thought they were singing the song, Bringing in the Sheep, you know, Bringing in the Sheep. And, and one lady popped up and said, that's not what it says. <laughs> Here she was, a grown lady, think, still thinking they were singing, Bringing in the Sheep. <laughs> well, anyway. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, sometimes little kids getting things out of confused, whatever, is, is kind of cute. And then you can help straighten them out. And, and that's, as parents and grandparents, that's what we do. When kids ask us questions about the Bible, we can help straighten out their understanding of the Bible stories and Bible principles, you know. And that's fine with little kids. What's frustrating is when you got people that's been in church 40 years and they still don't have it straight. Or what's even more frustrating is when people in the world try to quote the Bible at you. Huh? Come on. Yeah, I just, it's frustrating when lost people try to quote the word of God to justify what they're doing. Years ago, the uh, most quoted scripture 
by unchurched people about 40 years ago was John 3:16. I mean, everybody knew that. For God so loved the world, he gave his own begotten son, you know, whoever believes him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And even unchurched people knew that verse. You know what the most quoted verse by unchurched people is today? Unchurched people today, the most quoted verse is in Matthew 7 and 1. It says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. And have you started saying something to somebody? You ain't supposed to judge me. Have you ever heard that? Come on, yeah, you know, you're not supposed to judge. Well, we're going to talk about that tonight because the truth lies somewhere in the middle. <clears throat> Let's read a few scriptures here in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, starting at verse 1. It says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, all this is the truth. You know, Jesus is condemning the habit of criticizing others while ignoring your own fault. You know, don't be a hypocrite. Don't criticize somebody and, and ignore your own fault. That's true. But just a few scriptures later in that same chapter, we're given instruction to use good judgment. You know, believe it? Let's read Matthew seven fifteen. <clears throat> it says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles are they. So every good tree bears fruit, but the bad tree bears that the bad tree. Woo, where am I at? But the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name cast out demons in your name, perform many miracles, and then I will declare to them, depart from me, I never knew you. On one hand, at the beginning of the chapter, he's saying don't judge. But then at the bottom of the chapter, he's saying you've got to judge people by their fruit. Is that not what it just said? Nod your little head. It said, don't judge and be a hypocrite, but down at the bottom it says, you got to judge them by their fruit. We're looking at fruit trees. We're fruit inspectors, right? So, but the, the, the really point, the important part, it, the answer to this question is, is this chapter that might seem somewhat mixed up. At the beginning it says, don't judge. At the bottom it says, do judge. It's somewhere in the middle of the top and the bottom. So let's look in the middle at Matthew Chapter 7, verse 12. And here's where we're given the truth of what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to figure this out. Y'all with me so far? If you get lost, look at me with that deer in the headlight looks and I'll back up. Matthew 7, 12 says, In everything, therefore, remember what we said about therefore? When you see therefore, look at what it's there for. <laughs> In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. So what are we saying? Jesus is concerned. He's condemning the habit of criticizing others while ignoring our own faults. 
So first, we must criticize ourselves. We must submit ourselves to God and his righteous standards before we even attempt to examine someone else. Does that make sense? Before you start looking at someone else and naming their faults, let's look in the mirror and see what's going on. You know, uh, Christians are not condemning a wrongdoer without desiring to see the offender turn to God is unjust judgment. We must do everything in love. It's not wrong. It's not wrong to point things out. But you have to do it in love like you'd want somebody to point something out to you. Does that make sense? When, when somebody wants to come and tell you something that you've done wrong, do you want them to blast it in front of the whole crowd? Or do you want them to take you aside and talk to you about what's going on? That makes sense? You know, I, I, I used to work for a boss who would come out and just chew somebody out on the floor in front of everybody. That's wrong. That's not good management. If you want to fuss at somebody, you call them into the office or you catch them over in the break room or something and you, you criticize and you correct them privately, right? You know, and, and that's the way to do it. And, and that's basically what God was saying here. What Jesus was saying is he's, he's not denying the necessity of using judgment and using discernment and making a judgment with respect to sin and others. He's not telling us to ignore the sin in others. He's telling us to use wisdom and do everything in love. You with me still? Nod your little head. <laughs> and he's, he, other, in other places in the scriptures, we're commanded to watch out for false ministers and prophets as well as to evaluate the characters of others. In other places, he tells us to judge and look and see what other people are doing. In John seven twenty four, here's what he says: Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So, on the one hand, if you just take part of the scripture out of Matthew, it says, "Judge not, lest ye be judged," and stop right there. Well, then you're not telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth. You got to read the whole chapter, and you got to read other verses in the Word to understand that. It's not wrong to judge if you're doing it with love and in the right spirit. Everybody with me? Okay. All right. So 1 John 4 and 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, the scripture in Matthew that we read, we don't need to use that as an excuse to wink at sin. And how many of you know that you run across people who want to justify what they're doing by saying, you can't judge me? But the Bible clearly tells us we're supposed to. But do it in love. And, we're, and if we don't love someone enough to tell them the truth and point out the error of their ways... Well, then we'd be responsible if that person does not repent of his sins and bust hell wide open, right? It's our responsibility to love people enough to judge them or to assess their situation in the right spirit and not be critical with it and not be trying to condemn somebody and not be harsh with it and not trying to break somebody down, but to bring them up in love. Does that make sense? If somebody was running off in the ditch... You, you want to snatch them out of the ditch. You see a child running out in the road, you want to snatch them out of the road. You're doing it in love. You're not trying to break their arm. You're trying to keep them from dying. And so when, when you see somebody and, and you want to help gently, gently in love, point out some 
arrows and issues, be sure you're hearing from the Holy Spirit. When you want to point out something and say something about what that person is doing, we got to do it in love. And we got to do it with the intent that when we point these things out, we have a solution to the problem. And the solution is Jesus Christ, right? We're not trying to tear this person down. We're not trying to destroy them, but we're trying to build them up in the faith. Everybody with me so far? Y'all kind of quiet. So, having said all that, we, as Christians, are supposed to be fruit inspectors. We're supposed to judge the fruit. We're instructed to be discerning when we're dealing with folks, especially especially those who claim to be Christians, and especially those who claim to be preachers and prophets and ministers. Do you know you're supposed to judge them? You're supposed to, mm-hmm. That's why we encourage you to bring your Bible and look up the scriptures that we use and make sure that you come to grow you so that you can get in and understand so that you know we're not leading you down the primrose path to a false doctrine. It's very important that we do this. It's your responsibility to assess what we say up here as it applies to the Bible. And if we say anything that is in contradiction to the Word of God, guess what? Our fruit is wrong. Make sense? Okay. So we're instructed discerning when we're instructed to be discerning when we're dealing with folks, especially those that claim to be Christians and ministers. And if you see, I'm just gonna give you a few things here, about five things. I'm stuck on five today. Five things that would point out that someone is not bearing good fruit, okay? Now, if you see someone, if you have, or you have more loyalty to a personality than to the Word of God, if you worship the creature more than you do the Creator, then that's bad fruit. Romans 1.25 says, For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Have you ever known people that had preacher religion? Maybe you've been guilty of being preacher religion. I knew, I, I know a couple that followed this preacher around wherever that they would drive two hours to go and sit in his service and attend the church he was pastoring because they had preacher religion. They would drive two hours one way to go be in his church service. That's preacher religion. That's worshiping the creature more than you do the creator. You understand? And when you see someone that gets off track and they're more concerned about the person, they may even be worshiping a spouse more than they do Jesus. When you see someone become more concerned with... Now, you're supposed to worship your spouse. Don't give me this. You know, don't, don't take this. I'm saying you're not supposed to... Boy, I'm in trouble. <laughs> but you hear what I'm saying? We got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep, keep Jesus first and foremost in what we're... Does that make sense? Okay. Second thing, if, if you, a person is self-centered rather than God-centered, they say, my way, not God's way. I'm going to do it my way. Do the Frank Sinatra thing, you know? Second uh, Timothy 4.3 says... For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. What does that mean? Let's break that down. If they want to hear what they want to hear out of the Bible and, and ignore what they don't want to hear out of the Bible. 
I was talking with a guy at work one time when I was still at Avalon. And I said, well, the Bible says it. He said, well, I don't believe that part. I said, wait a minute. Whoa, back up. How do you know what part to not believe and what part to believe? If you're going to start nitpicking and if you're going to start redacting the Bible, how do you know what to take out? You either believe the whole thing or nothing at all. And, and there's, there's people who want to believe what they want to believe and make the Bible say what they want to say to justify their lifestyle. And when they begin doing that, that's bad fruit. When you accept human new revelation, which is in conflict with the word. When you accept human new revelation, which is in conflict with the word. Matthew seven twenty four says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who has built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against the house. Yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against the house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Well, let's break this down. There's some, there's some ministers and churches who rely more on revelation from God, personal revelation, than they do the Word of God. And some of the things that they're relying on for revelation for God, God told me this. When I hear somebody tell me, God told me this, automatically my antenna goes up. And if somebody comes to me and says, I got a word from God for you, my antenna goes up. Because if God hadn't already told me and they come telling me something, I just discount it. Does that make sense? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and so you, you, have, uh, you have to be careful what you watch on Christian television or listen to on Christian radio. Because everything on Christian television, everything on Christian radio is not according to the Bible, according to the Word of God. They have doctrine that is so far away from the Word of God that it's, it defies description. You know, it's, it's new revelation that they have gotten from God on how, you know, you, if you give $100, you're going to get 1000 back. Does this make sense? You know, and, and, and they have that, that if, you're, if you're sick, you don't have enough faith. You need to have more faith. That must be why you're sick. Or you must be sick because you're sinning. You know, that's not what the Word says. You know, and they say, well, if you serve God, you're going to be well-to-do and well-off. That's not what the Word said. And the Bible says the poor will always be among us, Right? And, and I think about it, you know, God supplies our needs and some of our wants. <laughs> but God supplies our needs and takes care of us. That don't mean we're all going to have, you know, a Porsche sitting in our driveway, you know, in, in a six-bedroom house with a swimming pool and all this kind of mess. We don't need that. God supplies our needs. I think about the people I saw when we were in Africa. They were just as happy as they could be, and they lived in a mutt and cow dung hut. And they, the biggest part of their diet was milk because they had goats and cows. And that was the biggest part of their diet. They didn't have meat at every meal. They only killed a goat for a celebration. You know, but they were happy and they trusted God and they were good Christians. So, you know, that just kind of shoots some of that doctrine that you hear on TV right in the foot. So when you see people that believe in human new revelation that is in conflict with the word, that's, that's bad fruit. 
If, if you have people that are always looking for supernatural experiences, they, they want to have a supernatural experience to validate the truth. They're looking for spiritism. And, and that's true. The world today is looking for spiritual type things, but a lot of time the spirit they're finding is not the spirit of God. It's, it's, there are evil spirits in this world, but they're looking for a woo-woo to make sure it backs up what they believe. Matthew 4.22 says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Just because you have someone comes along and is claiming to do a lot of miracles, and yes, miracle comes from God, does not mean that they are preaching the revealed word of God. That's bad fruit. If you're looking for cheap salvation, if you have people that are preaching cheap salvation, the happy, happy, joy, joy, God is good. They never preach against sin. They never preach, they never, they don't want to offend people. And so they only preach that God is good, God is happy, everything's happy, you know. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Matthew seven thirteen says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. So if you're always seeing the happy, happy, joy, joy religion and everything goes, God is good, God is love, he loves everyone, and we're all good, and you come here, you're going to heaven, guess what? That's bad fruit. It's not the truth. It disagrees with the word. The truth is somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. <clears throat> we all know people in churches who've allowed the pendulum to string, swing too far to the right or too far to the left. You know, we, we have some, some, and I'm thinking of a particular church right now, but it's, they, they preach bondage. You got to dress a certain way. You got to wear your hair a certain way. You got to look a certain way. You got to do certain things. You got to not do certain things because if you don't, you're going to hell. That's too far this way. But then we got another church that anything goes up to and including cohabitating without the benefit of marriage, up and to up and include to including cohabitating with people of the same gender. That's too swore that way. The truth is somewhere in the middle here. You know? We have to do everything in love and treat others like we want to be treated. But we have to preach the truth. If I don't stand up here and preach the truth, then I will be held accountable to a higher degree, to a higher standard than those that I'm preaching to. Does that make sense? And I love people enough to stand up and preach the truth. And the truth is somewhere in the middle. We don't need to be judgmental and critical, but we don't need to let everything go. Somewhere in the middle, we've got to be fruit inspectors. Does that make sense? 2 Timothy 4.1 This is what they read to us whenever we're ordained and handed our Bible. And this when, they, when the ministers are ordained in the assemblies of God, they read this verse. It says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus 
who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season to reprove. Reprove means to correct. Rebuke, rebuke means to call somebody out. Exhort, that means to encourage. With great patience, with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers and according to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, and do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. We're all called to preach. We talked about this morning. We all have that great commission. We're all called to a mission to preach and to win the world. We're all called to preach, to share the good news, to win the lost, and to disciple those that we win. Disciple means train them up, to teach them. And, and my goal, my desire, is to do like Paul, Apostle Paul said, when he was teaching and talking to his young converts, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. And that should be our all, all of our goals, that if somebody followed what we did and were judgmental of us and judged our fruit, that they could follow and imitate us, and it would lead them to Christ. Does that make sense? That should be our goal. I told somebody one time, I want to be so full of the Holy Spirit, so full of God, that if a mosquito bites me, he's going to fly off singing, there's power in the blood. You know, and that should be our goal, to be so full of God that we, everything that we do is with love and compassion and patience. But we need to teach the truth. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you for enduring me a couple of times today. My rambling. Glad you were here tonight. And just remember as we go about our daily life this week, let's remember to keep stirring something up on the stove for our spirit. And let's remember to judge in love and in truth. And to always be there to point out the truth in love with patience that we would lead those to Christ. Because that's our goal, right? To be a soul winner, to lead people to Christ, right? As Christians, that's our mission, to lead others to Christ. Let's pray, and let's all commit to doing that. Father, we love you so much.